coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. I don't care if you're chasing zombies on a planet a bazillion miles away while you're looking for some rare mineral that doesn't even exist in our known universe. You're still having to find the humanity that's within the, those characters because that's what people relate to. We need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate lyrics and tell us what to say. Explain a video, image and radio. Slang a local car is reading. I'll be always nowhere, ain't no stars. No, we're the middle class VO podcast. The middle class VO Welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. Kevin Kilpatrick here in Nashville and Bobby Maxwell in Cincinnati. And we are pleased to have with us this time around Randall Ryan, producer, director, composer, and owner of Hamster Ball Studios. And, and Randall is an amazing producer, director, and composer, as I just mentioned. And he has uh, specialized in video games for quite some time. Let me run down some of these credits. Dungeons and Dragons, Nerf Legends, Street Outlaws, Dungeons and Dragons again, G.I. Joe, Cobra Kai, The Lord of the Rings, Zombieland, Family Guy, Transformers Prime, all as a director and producer. And let's not forget, in 2013, he was actually an actor in a video game in Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on board the Middle Class VO podcast, Randall. Oh, no, I've... It's a pleasure to do this. I have, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and uh, so it's it's nice to actually be on and do it. It's kind of fun. Two Irishmen. I feel like it should change my name, though, to O'Shaughnessy or something. Well, today. you've got Bo- – <laughs> I mean, Bobby's kind of Irish. It's all good, you know? Yeah, you could do that, Bobby. So R- Randall's going to be at uh, VoiceOver Atlanta presenting. Uh, he's going to do a couple of breakout ex- or breakout sessions and some X sessions. Randall, first question for you is, what led you to producing, directing, and composing for voiceover? That's a really good question. Um, it's not a short answer, but I'll try to keep it short. I, I'm, I mean, I'm a musician. That's really my background. That's If you woke me up out of a dead sleep, that's still what I'm going to identify as, <laughs> you know, like, ah, I'm a musician. Um, and when I started this company, it was primarily to do music. And so the video game thing came about in two ways. One, it was my brother who was a big gamer. And I was, you know, I was dabbling in games, but he was really heavily involved in playing. And he hated a lot of the music that was out there. And he implored me to go after some video game companies because I could do, in his opinion, a better job of composing. Hmm. And so at the time I thought, well, sure, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, I'll, I'll do that. And I went after some video game companies because, I mean, you guys know from doing network and marketing, it's just you just call in on new people, right? It's the same, the same basic exercise. And um, lo and behold, there was this little company in Indianapolis called Sunstorm Interactive. And they said, well, you know, we're not looking for any music or sound design or anything, but we're looking for uh, a couple of voices for this game that we're doing. Okay, sure, why not? It's a, it's a game credit, right? And the um, and, and I've been doing some voiceover casting and directing at that point, mostly for commercials. Um, also, a lot for a lot of interactive audio as well, which is really what I'd kind of moved into at that point. This is, I mean, this is way back. This is like 1999, 2000. I always mm-hmm. get the years confused. And um, <laughs> and so and so I took a look at this script and I thought, wow, well, it's a video game credit, 
but I have no idea who will ever buy this. Who would play this? Hey, I'll just do it anyway. Well, the game was Deer Hunter. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> as in the movie? Like the movie? As in the game. As in the game. That no, I mean, like, is it, is it, is it, I'm not familiar with it. Is it a takeoff of the movie? No. The game. Oh, okay. If, if there's, <laughs> this if, is actual deer hunting, I believe. Yeah. If there, if there, oh, okay. if there, oh, you, oh, you're talking, you're talking to deer hunter like uh, Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. no, no. No, this is, this is a game that revolutionized the entire genre. There was no such thing as – there were no such thing as hunting and fishing games, or if there were, I sure didn't know about them. Deer Hunter was this massive unknown hit. It got picked up by Walmart who – because at that time, you know, box sales in the stores were a really big deal. And Walmart picked it up and pushed it, and it became this m- massive sleeper hit – that has spawned spinoffs and everything, and you know multiple versions. And um, and anyway, that was my first video game credit. And at that time, I most of what I was doing was interactive audio for uh, the burgeoning internet industry and all <laughs> of the companies that were getting into the you know essentially the land grab that was going on at that time and then the dot-com bust happened and all these so many of these companies either went out of business literally overnight or their funding dried up or their clients just stopped spending money and i had this one but very well-known video game credit and literally i went around to everybody and said hey uh, we're the ones that did the uh, voiceover for deer hunter hey we're the ones that did the voiceover for deer hunter and it netted some work and I landed, started landing stuff with Activision, who started was starting to get into hunting games. Oh, okay. And since I had a hunting game credit, they started giving me all these kinds of things that you would that you probably would never hear of unless you're into that genre. But the bottom line is that's what really launched me moving really from music, both from music to VO, and from commercial and interactive audio to primarily video game work because once the Activision work started and then you're doing stuff for Activision and now other people see that, it, you know, it just kind of snowballed. So uh, a fair amount of luck. Or talent. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, give yourself a little credit. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's still, you know, I, I, I'm not doing this to denigrate anything, but the luck was kind of important. I mean, I, I think luck is... For better or for worse, it is an ingredient. Yes, you make your own luck. Yes, you have to be ready when luck hits, all of that kind of stuff. And that's all very, all that cliche is very true. But if you if that break didn't happen, who knows what I would be doing today? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have found a different path in, but because it wasn't necessarily even a path that I was looking for, and yet there it was and it presented itself. So what percentage of, of the work that you do is video game today? And what, what are the other genres? Hmm, I'd say it's probably it's, – it's 80 to 90% of what I do now. Oh, wow. Um, wow. The, um, and even with the things that I would not consider video game, uh, for instance, I'm doing – right now we're in the midst of a diversity and inclusion project that is – you know, it's, it's very corporate yet – we're casting real characters that are in real world situations. So even then, it's very video game. And one of the things that I, you know, gamification is a word that everybody uses a lot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I really see with how things are moving 
is that gamification is no longer just a buzzword or something that people are doing because they think it's cool or it's a way to motivate people. It's really, it's like a lot of other things that become habits. It's become a way to inform how you're going to create software, how you're going to create incentive programs, how you're going to create a, a whole slew of things that don't necessarily have anything to do with games anymore or even with voiceover, but it's it's going into just about everything else. So I think even from a teaching aspect, understanding what makes games work and why it has become really the largest creative industry because it's now larger than film and television put together, which is great, wow. which is crazy. But there it is. Um, and so what makes this industry tick, it's now kind of like the Beatles where they suddenly woke up one day and went, wow, we're not chasing trends. We are the trend. They didn't mean it. It just happened. And I think that's what's happened with games is they're no longer chasing trends other than within their own industry. Games now are the trend that drive other industries. Skip it a ba-ba-ba. Of course, video games are huge right now, and, and Randall, you've been working with so many voice actors over the years, and all these different genres that you're talking about, and now everybody's chasing video games, what is one of the biggest skill sets, or if not the biggest skill set, in voice uh, video game acting that uh, is makes voice actors uh, your hire? Mm. That, that is a horribly worded question. No, actually, but, um, it's not. It's actually a very well-worded question. Um, and and that is kind of the bugaboo for for everybody, especially when you're coming from other genres. So I, I would say there's a there's a there's a number one and a number one A. They they're all they're not quite interchangeable, but they're they're close. Um, so I would say for number one, it's the ability to truly be believable and to be able whatever the character or the characters are that you're doing, you have to really allow them to infect your soul or you infect their souls. And you know, everybody wants to think of all these situations that, uh, that occur as being, there's this fantasy, this is unreal. You know, obviously, there are video games that are set in very real-world situations, uh, but there are a lot that are not. But even in the unreal things, I don't care if you're chasing zombies on a planet a bazillion miles away while you're looking for some rare mineral that doesn't even exist in our known universe, you're still having to find the humanity that's within the, those characters because that's what people relate to. It's their hopes, their dreams, their emotions, their everything else. Sometimes it's the fact that these are, even if they're in extraordinary circumstances, they're ordinary people or creatures or whatever, but, they, but there's an ordinariness about them and yet there, you know, that's the guts of what that is. And so actors who can do that, who are breathing life into these roles as opposed to just merely voicing them are going to get hired over and over and over. And then the second thing is, which is almost as important, is versatility. Mm. And by that, I mean the ability to not always be giving the same voices and the same reads and the same mental treatment. It's, it's a very, with other genres, narration especially, that's almost the opposite of what you're taught or what you learn. That it's not about you and your voice. 
It is about what you can do with your voice and can you play multiple characters because for starters, video games tend to book multiple characters for specific actors. So you'll, you know, we'll have a casting of 40 characters. That doesn't mean we're going to hire 40 actors. It means we're going to hire 20. It means we're going to hire 15, whatever the number is. And so you have to be able and, – and not every character is a big role, right? But you've got to be able to do more than just the one role that you might be auditioning for because we're not even going to audition for all those roles. And you cast people and then you're like, okay, so this person, we're going to give them blah, blah as well. And you let the actor know mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> you know, theoretically. Show up to session. Oh, I'm playing four others? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I have seen people do that. I have seen that happen. We try never to do that. But, you know, it, it, I, I, lest you think that that doesn't happen, it does. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so you also have to be prepared for that. Um, but, you know, even if those characters only have three lines or five lines, what if they talk to your main character? You know, you can't betray that it's the same actor doing this. And so those people also get booked a great deal. And it's not just the ability to change your register, although that's huge. It is about that character. Can you harness that role? Do you make me want do you do you make me forget that you, that it's an actor reading the role and I suddenly have that person in this mm-hmm. role? And can you do that with the two or three other characters that we might need to assign you as well. Uh, so those are the biggest things. But I, but I think those skills translate so well to other genres, even if those other genres don't want to play some of those specific skills up, having that in your toolbox, knowing how to do that, um, if, if, you can, if you can get believability out of a script that is talking about the sale, when you're that commercial read where you're talking to your friend and it's like, oh, Marcy, I don't understand. This couch is so worn out. Well, have you seen the latest sale at blah, blah, blah? You know, nobody ever says that. <laughs> Yet, what if you can make that sound like it's completely natural? That's a massive skill. And how much are you going to get hired for those commercials if you can do that? Because that's that's the problem with them, right? It's, it's an unbelievable amount. It's unbelievable dialogue, but the client wants to have – the sale in there and the price and the limited time and everything else. And if you can make that sound natural, oh my gosh, you're golden. That's get worthy. So how important is it to, I think I proved it when I didn't know what the deer hunter game was. (laughs) How important is it to enjoy or partake in video games yourself to get booked in this genre. So can like a 40-year-old woman come in that has never watched a video game and be cast for a video game? Absolutely. Because they have those things you just mentioned, right? <laughs> Correct. That, no, exactly. That's exactly right. Does it help? Um, of course it helps. But I think it usually helps more for situations and terminology than than, than the ability to act. Um, you know, if you know what a if you know what a boss fight is, if you understand what minions are, if you know what we mean when we're talking about emotes or uh, leveling up or any of the other just standardized game phrases, you know what is this? So oh, this is just you know this is just a side quest. Um, if you know those things and you're not having to answer in question and you have that mental shortcut of I understand what this means, that will certainly help you in session. But do you have to know those things to do a video game session? Absolutely not. Um, can you be believable in that role? 
can you, when they throw that second character at you, um, can you pull that off? And that's, that's what's important. That's a perfect segue into VoiceOver Atlanta. We're, we're up against it. VoiceOver Atlanta is imminent, and uh, Bobby and I are going to be presenting there. Randall is presenting there as well. Randall, um, you're doing a couple of X sessions. One is about singing, which, you know, a lot of people are going to be interested in that. Not me, personally. <laughs> but I am interested in Game on Cold. What uh, Bobby and I are both doing this with you. What can we expect at uh, this session with you? So... What I usually do with with that, and it's it's a little compressed because it's a three hour X session as opposed. To, that's something I normally do in like a two day workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't completely decided how I'm going to do it, but I'll tell you how, what we do in the two day, and then you can understand that this is going to be compressed to a three hour. So normally, what I do is I have a slew of auditions for people, and they don't get to see them. Ooh. And so I'll ask you a few questions about yourself and the, the types of things you've done and what, you know, how you see yourself, maybe roles you're going after. Obviously, again, in three hours, this is, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because you, you don't have it. But, um, but find out a little something about you, and then I assign you a script. So this is like a real audition. You don't ever get to choose your auditions. They show up from your agent or the casting director or whomever. And they show up in your inbox, and you have to read them and get them back right away. So this is really simulating that. Like, here's a script you've never seen. Take a couple of moments to look it over, and let's get going. So, wow. and th- <laughs> because that's that's the real world. That's how it happens. So the the wait, and then if in the two day, what'll happen is presuming that I have done my homework correctly and I've assigned you something that really is in your wheelhouse, or again, if this is something you really want to work on, um, then I will present to you the full script, which you take home that night and you work on, and then we come back the next day and we, and we, just, and we work with it. Um, so it's a little bit of a simulation of, okay, you booked a gig, now we're doing the gig, hmm. but obviously with direction and redirection and talking about you know, what you can do to improve your, you know, your, your sessions. Um, so with this, it's going to be some sort of a very abbreviated version of that. Uh, but that's the basic gist is to understand. So not, you know, not only do you have to show up and read the script, but it's how do you, to use the same words, infect the character? How do you cloak yourself with that character, adopt it, especially on the fly? Um, you know, one of the things that I find for people who have had a lot of improv work is that's kind of the guts of traditional improv. And so that is a skill that I do tell people that in that voluminous free time that they have, that they should go take improv. <laughs> Kevin and I are actually doing it now with uh, Scott Parkin and love it. Is, uh, is, <laughs> and, and Scott's a great person to learn that kind of stuff from because he's funny. You know, he. But mm-hmm. he, he's a perfect example of somebody like, here's the thing, go do it. And so he's a perfect person to teach that. And, that, you know, but that skill, I mean, you're going to, so even with things that you have really, really well prepared, I've got this, I've, you know, you, it's that rarity. They gave it to you a week ahead of time. You've got it. You, you think you know it. You've heard your audition. I got this. You show up and I guarantee you something about it is going to change at least 50% of the time when you walk in that booth. You know, I've been thinking, 
what if we did this a little bit more like fill in the blank? And it's not what you prepared for, and it's not where you were going, or the other side that happens a lot too, and this is something that actors are not used to, that is also very different about video games and other things. So tell me a little bit more about what you would like to do with this. Well, that's open, right? Mm -hmm. That's huge. But a, a lot of that is because what do you want to do with this character? And if you've got a good ready answer and you've got some things in your bags of tricks, you're going to be a lot better poised to not only to handle that, but to be successful and for those people to say, I like that actor, let's bring them back. Interesting. You know, I was um, I was on your website and l watched a couple of your videos, and, and you hit on this briefly about COVID changed everything. We're, you know, pretty much in our studios, our home studios these days. Explain, Randall, why a voice actor should wear multiple hats these days with, you know, going forward. A penny for your thoughts. Well, hmm, that's a tough question to answer. I guess if I say that I have a, f a, a focus at this point in my career, it's to help voice actors make careers. You know, it's my, at least my focus as a teacher. And so if you're going to – as opposed to just I'm getting work, I'm casting. And so if you're going to make a career, unless you really become a star in a specific genre, which is a, you know, a totally different ballgame at that point, you're going to need to work – a lot. And so to work a lot, you probably should be playing in more than one realm. I also will say that a sidebar to that, and I'm going to put this in musical terms, if you want to be a better rock player, go learn classical music, go learn jazz, go learn country. You learn so much from these other things. You may not ever be – I'm never going to be a classical pianist. I'm never going to be uh, Segovia or I'm going to go out and play Spanish guitar. But once you learn what makes that genre tick, what the language is, what, what the focus is, and then you bring it back to whatever your genre is – holy crap, you got these these tools that you didn't have before. You're speaking a language, and sometimes you're speaking a language that other people don't speak, but you can relate it to them because you got the language that they do speak. And I think it's the same thing with acting. If you understand how to do commercial, if you understand how to do narration, if you understand the difference between video games and animation, um, man, that just, that just makes you a... Everything that you can bring to the table for that session that that nobody else is scoring and you can because even though the, the people that are writing and directing it don't know that what they're really looking for is a video game actor to do this ridiculous sales script, but that's what they really need. And then they get one and then, wow, I don't know why. You just – you sound like you're actually – I'm actually talking to you like you're my sister. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I do because it is what you do because it's a skill set you've got. Excellent, Randall. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Middle Class VO podcast today. If you're interested in joining Randall at VoiceOver Atlanta for uh, a breakout or an X session, uh, check him out on IMDb. You can check out his uh, all his accolades there, and you can read all about him. And you can also uh, check out his uh, website, hamsterballstudios.com. Is that correct? Yes, and there's also a second one now that is actually uh, surrounding what I'm doing with teaching. It's uh, the voice director dot world. Yeah, dot world. Because, you know, 
because you know, make it easy. Excellent. You know, the voice director.world. And um And I forgot, please plug your your podcast. You you also do oh, a podcast. Uh yes, let's talk voiceover. Uh and it's let's talk voiceover.com. Uh it's a lot it's you know, very fly on the wall. Um we try to get people not just voice actors, but writers and agents and producers and casting directors and you know, just a, a wide range of, of folks. Um and it's more like three people having a cocktail just talking about the end of the day. So it's a little bit different, um, but it's a lot of fun. Sounds like our speed, though. Kevin, we should start doing that. We should start to having a cocktail during our podcast. <laughs> Who says I haven't already, Bobby? <laughs> That's always my answer. You know, how do you know I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> and before we wrap up, wrap up totally, Randall, do I recall, and Bobby's going to chime in on this, but do I recall that you are a Chicago Cubs fan? Yes, I am. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, because you got Cardinals here, and Bobby is a huge Reds fan, so we're all in the uh, National League Central. Well, you know, here's a th- you know interesting thing. Uh, baseball is probably the only sport where I can look at the team that I root for, and I don't dislike one or, in some cases, all of the other teams that are the direct rivals. You know, I, I spent a lot of time... When I was still living in the Midwest, there was a, a guy who's a who's actually a really fine uh, voice actor. He's mostly an on-air personality and a commercial voice actor. A guy named Lance Hildebrand, who's a longtime season ticket holder of the Cardinals. And Lance and I would go every year to one series at Wrigley and one series at Bush Stadium, and nice. we just had just a marvelous time with one another. And obviously, we're each rooting for our own teams. Um, but, you know, that's one of the fiercest rivalries in sports. And the I will say I did actually one time in St. Louis see a fight in the stands. And it was so <laughs> and it was so notable because for like 10 years or so of doing this, there was never, you know, people be drinking in the bar afterwards and they'd have their own garb on. And I, I think that, um, there's mutual – at least for me, you know, I mean I've, I've probably gone to more games at um, the various incarnations of, of Riverfront and now the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati than I have at any sports facility anywhere. Yeah, we have a lot of Cubbies fans that come to town. Well, see, I, I grew up in Cincinnati. I went to high school there. So, what? Yeah. How did Uh-oh. they not know this? Where'd you go? Northwest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow, Lived I live in Finneytown, so it's right around yeah. the corner. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah, right. You're just down. Um, uh, well, like you can get there on Mill Road, but Winton, just go down Winton to get to you. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to go to. <sighs> Did not know. Yeah, right. And uh, so you know, I spent you know a ton of time. I have a, a great memory of one Cubs. I'm sure this is all the stuff is going to get cut out, but I had a great memory of, <laughs> of, of a Cubs Reds game when they were both terrible. And uh, which obviously for the Cubs is a long stretch. And my brother, who grew up a Reds, Reds too. Had, yeah, <coughs> the Reds had the 70s alone, which is when I went to high school. You know, I mean, just like. No, you're right. You know, I mean, who knew? I mean, because you're a kid. You don't realize just what, a, what an amazing thing this is. To, and especially then because the Reds' biggest rival was the Dodgers. So you had, you know, you had all these Hall of Famers on both teams with this big, huge rivalry because they were both in the National League West at that time. Mm-hmm. And you just don't realize it as a, as a kid, just with this, the, I mean, the amazing thing of, you know, just the Reds lineup alone. And I wasn't even a Reds fan, you know, and it's, 
and, and you start off with um, Pete Rose leading off, and then Joe Morgan. Um, usually Griffey would bat third. Uh, Johnny Bench would bat fourth. Um, Dang. <laughs> um, no, Johnny Bench would bat Johnny Bench would bat fifth because he'd been moved. Oh no, Tony Perez would bat Tony Perez would bat fifth. Um, God, who was the other guy? George that was Foster. The George Foster. Thank yeah. you, George Foster. Would, you Cesar Cedeno. Cesar Cedeno was your eighth hitter. He yeah. was the eighth That's guy in the lineup. lineup, which is just ridiculous. They're you know? amazing. Yep. And then you have Tom Seaver, Jack Billingham. Um, it's just it's. Just you know, it's just an incredible lineup of people, and you're just a kid. You're just going to see baseball, and um, but anyway, my brother and I went to this one game when they were both terrible, and we had this prediction. We were we were talking, and we of course we were kidding. It's like, yeah, the final score is going to be fifteen to fourteen, and the final score was fifteen to thirteen. Wow! And it was it was back, <laughs> and it was back and forth. Like the Cubs scored like five runs in the top of the first, and the Reds scored three in the bottom of the first. I mean, because both teams were terrible, so it was just, you know, it was mostly your your pitching that's terrible, and it was just a slugfest. Um, I've got great memories of of going to ball games, and actually, that was the last year of Riverfront because they had already started building okay. Great American Ballpark, and that's one of the reasons we went is because we had grown up with Riverfront Stadium, and they were going to implode it. Yep. Yeah. Well, Randall, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to meeting you in person and uh, doing your workshop. We're, we're looking forward to learning. I can't wait to Excellent. see what our edition script's going to be, Kev. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be crazy. A little scary. I don't know. I can't tell you. I'll tell you then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Randall. It's been fun. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank And thank you again for having me on. This is really, I really appreciate that. It's really, really a privilege. Thank you. Happy to have you. Thank you. Oh, well, the Middle Class VO Podcast, Middle Class VO Podcast.